This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon will be teaching the message. So today is a new, as the first, first Sunday in July. It's hard to believe we're ready in July, right, Janet? July 2019. Wow. Here we are. And we start a new series entitled Power. In preparation for this series, um, for this sermon in particular, I began to remember my travels. And when you travel, what you remember, not only the sights and occasions, but for me, I remember meals. How many like that? You remember like, oh, there we went to this restaurant, we went to this place, had the best whatever it is. In 2008, we went to, my wife and I, Tim and Tim Peace, our teaching minister, and his wife Angie, we went to Israel and did a tour of the Holy Land. Seven days, world winter, we went from Galilee down to Qumran, to, to Bethlehem, to Jerusalem. We saw all the sites and the major holy places. It was unbelievable. In the routine of things, every, every day that we would travel, we would stop for lunch, and lunch was always pretty much the same thing. We would stop at a place that our guide knew, and we would have the choice of either shawarma or falafel. A shawarma is like a pita pocket filled with salads, you know, lettuce and tomato and other stuff that had some kind of shea meat that had been marinated that you put in. Absolutely delicious. That's the shawarma. And the falafel was the salads with these um, chickpea fried balls. It was more of a, a vegetarian version. So it was either shawarma or falafel and a Coke. That's, those are the options. Or water. You could get water. And so we were like, hey, every lunchtime we're having this. Why don't we just play this game of rate the shawarma? Let's see which will be the best. Will it be the shawarma we had in Bethlehem at the little place not too far from the shepherd's, shepherd's garden or the shepherd's field where the crazy lady, I think we called her auntie, whatever her name was, I don't know, she was like, ah, hello, welcome, that kind of lady. Um, was it, would it be that shawarma? Or would it be the shawarma that we had in the old city of Jerusalem? Or the one at the cafeteria when we went to the Qumran? Well, the winner was the shawarma, the meal that we had in Nazareth, uh, Shwama, here's a picture of us enjoy, about to enjoy that. We look very happy, don't we? Yeah. This was in Nazareth, and we called the Shwama Annunciation Shwama. The reason we call it Annunciation Shwama is because this is just down the road from the Church of the Annunciation in Nazareth. Not only did they have the best Shwama and falafel, they had the best dessert. And maybe that's what swung the vote. But the, uh, is it balaclava, baklava? Baklava, thank you. And then falafel, unbelievable. I mean, you had a sugar headache for five days, but unbelievable, delicious. Now, Annunciation Church is in Nazareth, and it's a church that's built apparently on the site. There's a cave there built on the site where the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, appeared to Mary to make the announcement, Annunciation that she would bear the Messiah. She would be the mother to the Son of God, to the Savior of the world, and His name would be Jesus. It's a beautiful church, and of course, it's the church that's totally dedicated to honoring of Mary. And I, we did the tour of the church, and we saw all the sights, and I have to confess to you that um, while it was beautiful architecture and there was some historical stuff there, I wasn't too impressed because... I thought to myself, you know, Mary was significant. 
Mary was important. Mary was a wonderful woman of faith. Mary was a, a wonderful servant of God. Mary uh, obeyed when God called her to do something. But this is the worship of Mary. And this is not right because only God is supposed to be worshiped. Only Jesus is the Son of God. Only God, Mary is, is, is not divine. She's, she's, not, she's just a normal lady. And so when I went through that, that kind of tainted my view, and I missed something, something that didn't come to me until my preparation for this series and particularly this sermon. I missed an important lesson. We're going to start a series in which we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. You know, we live in a world, uh, when we were preparing for the sermon, one of the guys in our group said, you know, and he's, he's a younger guy in his 20s, he said, you know, I come from a hopeless generation. And I thought, wow, that, that's right on. We live in a world where it seems that the story of hopelessness whether it be through people suffering depression, anxiety, addiction, whether it's people that are committing suicide, whether it's folks that, that are struggling with this, that, or the other, where folks don't feel like they're optimistic about what's tomorrow. We, we serve a world that's cynical, that, that seems to think that, that everything is, is terrible, that folks that are helpless and hopeless and, and, and really, we're not a can-do society anymore pretty much. We're a can't-do and blame on someone else. It seems to me that this sense of hopelessness seems to infect everything. And yet, and yet, we have in the Bible the promise to those who come to faith in Jesus that they will not only have hope, but they will have power to live. That while we will only have hope of what God promises, we will be hopeful people because we will have power. And the means by which the power will come is through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God who is given to the believer in Jesus to overcome the hopelessness that, that comes as a result of our living outside of the will of God and that comes as a result of sin. The Holy Spirit. And we're going to dedicate our journey through what the Bible teaches on the Holy Spirit because the more I see it, the more I firmly can state that if you're interested in overcoming hopelessness in your life, if you're interested in having the power and the blessings of God, if you're interested in seeking what God wants you to do and the life that God wants to give you in this life, you better be interested in the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is where it's at when it comes to living with God in this world. Now, I came across an article which was interesting in my study. This article was a blog post by a man named uh, Bob Russell, who's a retired preacher from Louisville. And the blog post was simply entitled, Five Signs That You Don't Have the Spirit of God Working in Your Life. And I thought that was quite interesting the timing of it all, and the preparation for this message, I have this blog post, and, and Bob's right on in his observation. Five signs, he says, that you don't have the Spirit of God working in your life. The first is the obvious one. You can't expect the Spirit of God to work in your life if you have not come to faith in Jesus Christ. When the people who heard the first message of the church were convicted 
by what was said regarding Jesus. They asked, what shall we do to be saved? And Peter answered, repent, every one of you, and be baptized, right? Why? For the forgiveness of your sins, the means by which you are made right with God through faith is through Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to you when you come to faith. When you are baptized, you are blessed with, with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, how you feel about that and how that happens is, is really different per person and situation and, and, and circumstance. Just because you didn't feel all tingly and had a flood of emotions, which maybe you did at that moment, doesn't mean that God isn't true to His Word, right? If you come to faith in Christ, by grace, through faith, at baptism, what you're promised is not only you're made right with God in terms of your status, but you also promise the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you're not a Jesus follower, if you not, have not come to faith in Christ, you can't expect to have the Spirit of God working in your life. Secondly, not only is coming to faith in Christ a one-off event where you're blessed with the gift of the Spirit, but also it's a day-to-day -day thing. It's a daily thing. And, and really, the Bible indicates that we're called to submit ourselves daily to seeking the power of God's Spirit in our life. It needs to be a daily thing. It needs to be a daily commitment. And if you're not orientated in your daily walk, in your daily prayer, in your daily uh, following of God, in seeking to be filled, in seeking to be uh, guided by the Spirit of God, then likely then your mind and your orientation regarding life will not be in line with the Spirit. An old-time preacher, Dwight L. Moody, was once asked, how come you always pray to be filled in the Spirit? And Moody said, it's because I leak. <laughs> I get that, and I know you get that. Third, Russell says, you know, if you're not seeing life change, if you're not seeing what's described as fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in your life, then it's likely that the Spirit of God is not working in your life. Fruit, what are the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5.22 says, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What do we know about fruit? If we're going with that analogy, well, fruit ripens and grows over time. And if you were a Jesus follower, if you say, I'm a Christian, and you came to faith some time ago, yet you're not seeing the change that occurs by being obedient to God in your day-to-day -day and living by the Spirit, then something's awry. If you're growing more self-centered, sinful, and cantankerous as you age in Christ, then perhaps the Holy Spirit isn't living in you, and you're not living with the Spirit, and you need to be born again, repent. Older, more mature Christians need to show evidence of increased compassion, joy, patience, and kindness as evidence of this fruit of the Spirit in their lives. Fourth, if you're not sensitive to the movements of God around you, then you may not be living a life filled with the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Russell shares a story of a young preacher at a church. One Sunday, I experienced an unbelievable outpouring of God's Spirit. Forty people from the service 
were baptized as a result of that service. It was, was, was an amazing church gathering. After the church gathering, the young preacher was handed a note by one concerned saint who said, service too long today. See, if the movement of God's Spirit in a worship service doesn't thrill you, maybe you're not filled with the Holy Spirit and you need to repent. But if you're hungry for worship, if you are eager to learn Scripture, if you're edified by a helpful sermon that is based on God's Word, if you come to tears when your child or any other child or any other person is baptized and you're overjoyed when someone testifies how Christ is transforming his or her life, then that's an indication that you're alive to the things of God and walking by the Spirit. Fifth, you may not be living by the power of the Spirit if you're a Christian, but your conscience doesn't hurt when you sin. John 16, 8, Jesus said regarding the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin. The Bible says, be careful against quenching the Spirit or putting out the Spirit's fire. When the conscience becomes seared by repeated acts of rebellion, in other words, when you continue to do things that are outside of God's will, when they are clearly in a rebellion to God's Word, if you continue to do things and you stop feeling bad about that, you are quenching, putting out the work of God's Spirit in your life. And I'm talking if you are a professed believer in Christ. But if you are a Jesus follower and you feel guilty when you cheat on your tax return or you get drunk at the party office, office party or you get caught up in a pornographic website or you lose your temper and cuss or you lie to your boss or snap at your mate, well, that's evidence of God's spirit in your life. And when your conscience troubles you and you're stricken with remorse and guilt, it doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. No, it means that God's spirit is doing what he does. He is convicting you of sin in order to bring you back to a place where you are walking with God in a way that honors God in your life. The good news is that God provides His Spirit so that we might have power for living. That's the good news, right? That's the good news. Many times when we talk about the good news, we think about the first part of what God provides, the first part of what I call the double trouble, you know, freedom from, from guilt. The, what we deserve from God is that we deserve to be eternally separated from Him. That's hell. We deserve punishment for our sin. And we tend to focus on the first part of the good news, that, okay, by God's grace, I'm made right with Him. But the second part of the gift of God is that He gives us His Spirit so that we might live for Him so that we might have power to overcome the hopelessness that we have for doing what's right. We might have His Spirit in us to overcome the sin sickness that infects us so that we might live a life that honors Him. That's the good news. So let's get back to the Church of Annunciation, an observation, right? Remember I said I was at the Church of Annunciation and I missed something that because I was kind of disgusted by all the worship of Mary. Well, the Church of the Annunciation is the largest church, Christian church building in the Middle East. And it's a site that's dedicated to the event that we, re, we tell in Christmas, you know, when Angel Gabriel appears to Mary and says, you have been highly favored as a woman, 
And you're going, you've been chosen because God has seen you to be the one in which you will bear the Messiah. You will become pregnant. And there will be a miracle that will occur. The miracle is not going to be the, the virgin gives birth because that, that's natural. The, the miracle is that she got pregnant in the first place as a virgin. And the means by which she is pregnant is what? The power of God. And who is the agent of bringing about this act of God? The Holy Spirit. And it struck me, you know, Christmas story is all about the birth, and it's all about Bethlehem, right? We all think about Bethlehem, which is right. Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, and the shepherds, and the angels, and, and the wise men, and all that stuff that happened in Bethlehem. And you tend to think about the Christmas story and the work of God and the, the redemption story of Jesus sending his son into the world as Bethlehem. But it struck me, wait a minute, it didn't start at Bethlehem. It happened in Nazareth. At this moment, this place where the church of the Annunciation is apparently built, the place in which God said to Mary, I have chosen you of all women to be the one who will be the recipient. Through my power, you will give birth. You will become pregnant, and you will give birth to one who will be called the Son of God. And the agent, the means by which this will happen is the Holy Spirit. Let's check it out. Matthew 1.18 That's what he says. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. He was she was engaged to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 Joseph had heard the news. He was ready to divorce her. Remember that story? It says, But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then if you jump to Luke, Luke chapter 135, Luke tells the story from, from Mary's perspective, and this is what, what the angel said to Mary when she said, hey, how's this going to happen? How am I going to bear a son when I'm a virgin? says, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So what do these Bible verses say? Why am I saying all of this? Well, this is, this is the foundation. This is the first in our series that we're going to go through. And it's very important for every one of us to understand this truth. God works in our world through the Holy Spirit. God works in our world through the Holy Spirit. So if you are interested in the things of God, if you're interested in walking with God, if you're interested in receiving the blessings of God that are promised through Jesus Christ, if you're interested in the life transformation promised from God and the blessings all contained in Scripture to those who follow God, then you better be interested in seeking out how to live by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is where it's at. And he's the one that we need to focus on. 
when it comes to living life for God in this world as a church, as believers. If you're interested in, in, in the life that God gives and the claims of Christianity, you better be interested and give attention to the work of the Holy Spirit. God works in our world through the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? Well, that means, first of all, if God works in our world through the Holy Spirit, it begins with faith. The example of, of Mary and Joseph in the story is what? Examples of people of faith. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit through faith. When we accept that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, we are made right with God through faith, through believing that, that Jesus died on the cross, rose again from the dead by the power of the Spirit, and that His promises are true, that if we believe we are made right with God, we are forgiven, we are moving from guilty to be considered not guilty because the price has been paid for us, our status has changed from one who's deserving of death to one who's promised life, and... Not only is our status changed, but so is our identity ch is, ch is changed from to be a child of God. And to be a child of God, that identity is lived out by the power of the Spirit. There's two parts, two troubles that we find ourselves in when we sin, right? We, we find ourselves in a position of guilt that we are deserving in a legal sense of a punishment because we are lawbreakers, sinners. But also we find ourselves in a position of helplessness, hopelessness, and inability to do what is pleasing to God. Depravity, sin sickness. And it's the Holy Spirit that is the antidote to the depravity. The Holy Spirit is the life transformer in our day to day. And that happens by faith. And so if you want the Spirit of God, as we, we learn that God works in our world through the Holy Spirit, then understand it's going to be a matter of faith. God works in our world through the Holy Spirit, so understand it's going to be a matter of learning God's Word. It's going to be a matter of investing ourselves in studying God's Word. Why do we study the Word of God? So that we can be scholars? No, we study the Word of God so that we might learn to hear the Word of God, so that we might identify the Word of God when He communicates to us by His Spirit. I study God's Word because that is where I know are contained the words of God so that I may learn how God speaks and what He values and what He says so that I may be able to identify it when I live my day-to-day -day with the Spirit of God. Not too long ago, all the staff received an email, apparently from me, requesting information and money, I think. I'm not sure what they were requesting. Well, it was a scam. Someone goes to our, uh, our website and sees that I'm the, I'm the senior minister, and then they got all the names and came up with some fake email addresses and sent every one of our staff a request of some kind of reply. And their hope, I think, was to, to get, these, get these folks to reply, to get my folks to reply, our folks to reply, so that they would share information so they could be hacked or stolen from or who knows what. But to a T, every one of our staff said no. And they sent me, by the way, Dee, did you know this is happening? Why did they know that? Well, first of all, it was the wrong email address, some other Gmail account. But secondly, more importantly, it was because the way the person wrote was nothing like the way I write. He, the, the person, the scammer, didn't know how I wrote, didn't know how I addressed things, didn't know the issues I would address typically on an email, didn't have my signature, my, my little signature card on the bottom. 
Because they know how I speak in email, they were able to be on to, be aware of someone who was claiming to be me. They were able to identify them as fraud. Well, in many ways, when we invest ourselves in immersing ourselves in God's Word, we learn God's Word so that when we receive a message that appears to be from God, appears to be the right thing to do, but if it doesn't sync up with the way we know God speaks and the way what God values, then we can identify it as not from the Spirit. I remember early on in my faith, I heard a story of a woman, and I knew I went to school with this woman's kids when I was early on in my faith. Apparently, this woman heard from the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God told her to leave her husband and run off with a young man from the church. I'm like, lady, that ain't the Spirit. I think you must be on other spirits, but that ain't the Spirit of God. We invest, if, if God works in our world to the Spirit, it's going to involve us dedicating ourselves to immersing in the Word so that we may learn to identify His voice. God works in our world to the Spirit, which means that we have to dedicate ourselves to, to living prayerful, immersing ourselves to opening up to the Spirit's talking and asking the Spirit of God to speak to us. Came across a, a beautiful prayer regarding that. Every day pray, Lord, fill me anew with your Spirit today. Give me the power to overcome temptation, cope with suffering, witness with boldness, Understand your word and remain calm in the midst of turbulent times. God works in our spirit through world through the Holy Spirit, which means that I have to be open and sensitive to his prompts. Like Mary and Joseph, when, when they received the word of God, what did they do? They, they said, yes. And they did it. Even though it was risky, even though it was scary, even though they didn't quite understand how it was going to work, they were obedient I think that's why going on mission trips like we are going on in Houston and having our kids go on to retreats, why they're so powerful. They're powerful because they're involving people of faith, Jesus followers, who are saying yes to an opportunity to do something that makes them uncomfortable, to move them out of their comfort zone, to move them away from home, to work hard, to, to deal with massive mosquitoes, and, you know, mat heat, and to work in these environments that push them. Well, in doing that, what you're doing is you're training yourself to saying yes to the prompt of the Holy Spirit. And in doing that, you're blessed. Why is it that every time that folks that come back from these mission trips say this? You know, I feel like I was more blessed than the folks I was there to bless. Well, it's because they've aligned themselves in this re response to a mission call They've aligned themselves to being obedient to the prompts of the Spirit, and that just feeds their souls. That just empowers them and, and brings God more real into their life so that they can be filled with, with the presence of their Spirit. See, when you learn to say yes to the Spirit's prompts and nudges, when you, when you learn to submit yourself to when the Spirit pulls you in a direction or says, go and speak to this person or say yes to this opportunity or give to this this need in order to bless them, you start to see how God works in our world through the Holy Spirit. Kenneth Bowe talks about eagles. He said, you know, God must really like eagles. He's like, 
33 times in the Bible they're mentioned. Familiar with eagles, you know that eagles are just beautiful, majestic animals, particularly when they are uh, soaring, when they are just gliding with, without any kind of effort on the thermals. See, eagles are flying birds, and when they're young, they start to learn to understand what it means to catch wind, to catch the thermals. Even as they're young, as two months old, they'll stand there with their wings out when the wind blows just to feel it. And then as they get older, they begin to flap. And the reason they flap, the purpose of flapping is so that they can get into the air. But the purpose of flapping and work is to get into the air to do what? To soar. A thermal is this, this massive hot air that's going up. And as it goes up, those birds that can ride the thermals just have their wings out and the thermals just carry them and they go round and round, soaring at heights that are, that are unbelievable, looking down on everything. It's, it's, it's a majestic and beautiful thing to see. And in many ways, I believe that we as Christians, we can look to the, to the eagle as an example. It's interesting to note that the word for spirit in Bible, pneuma, is the same word as a rushing wind, blowing wind. And I think in many ways, when we become Jesus followers, we're like eagles. We have to start with flapping. We have to start with some basics, right? And that flapping are the things that I've been talking about, uh, coming to faith, being part of a faith community, giving yourselves to learning and living out Scripture, prayer, the practices of submitting yourself daily to the Word. But in that, understand that you're flapping. They're just the, the ways in which you can start getting going because once that happens, you catch the Spirit of God in your life. The power of God raises you up and you realize that the Spirit of God is not a help. The Spirit of God is the power, is the power for living for God. God works in our world through the Holy Spirit. And I would love for you through this next few months, through two months, this next series of messages to journey with me, with Aaron, with Tim, to journey with us as we go through the Scriptures regarding the Holy Spirit. I have a renewed appreciation for the fact that the Spirit of God is where it's at when it comes to living the life that God calls us in Jesus. And I want you to join us as we pursue what it means to live by the Spirit. There's a lot of fakes out there. There's a lot of sh people that go around the corner and shortcut. There's a lot of noise out there regarding being Spirit-filled that is not in line with Scripture. And so it would be important for us to really give ourselves to what God's Word clearly says it means to live by the Spirit and then to submit ourselves to learning not only just to flap our wings in life, but to soar. And to soar by the power of the pneuma, the Holy Spirit that God gives to us. Thank you for listening to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.